You're listening to Force Friends Rewatch, a Star Wars TV show podcast. From Rebels to Resistance and The Mandalorian to Ewoks, we've got you covered. Here's your warning, there will be spoilers. And there will be swearing, because our host just gets so gonk darn excited to talk about these good, good shows. Welcome to Forest Friends Rewatch. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Ryan. On Forest Friends Rewatch, we rewatch Star Wars television shows, and we talk about them in excruciating detail. We're, so much detail. We are currently covering the final two episodes of Star Wars Rebels Season 1. I don't remember their titles, but before we get into them, Ryan's got a bit. I do. Um, so I was trying to think of a bit. And I got really hungry and I made myself a sandwich and had some Skittles and still hadn't thought of a bit. So the bit is uh, if you were to make dinner for any Star Wars character, who would it be? And if a Star Wars character was to make dinner for you, who would it be? You cannot say Dex. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to say Wedge. I want to make dinner for Wedge. Yeah. So, I sense that this was influenced by uh, Chuck Wendig and or Rebecca Roanhorse. So one, just Wedge is really cute. He's he's a, he's a very attractive man, and I would like to sit down and have dinner with him. Very he's, fair. He also strikes me as like very humble and chill and like down to earth. Like I think the conversation would be good, and uh, I I think it, it would be kind of I don't want to say easy to impress him because that sounds like an insult but I think he'd be appreciative of like whatever you made him yeah um also in resistance reborn yeah yeah he's got like a garden and is like gardening and like is growing vegetables and so like I think he's got good taste too uh, I think typically when people grow their own food and prepare it themselves like they know what the the heck they're doing yeah the person who i want to cook for me is lando and there doesn't need to be any food involved he can just make me drinks <laughs> all right and we'll have a good like time that. what about for you uh, for me i would want to cook for yoda because he was vegan, don't at me. Go ahead and at me. That would actually be an interesting discussion. Wasn't he and eating really a chicken? Vegan food. Wasn't he cooking a, eating a chicken nucky and Dagobah? Was he? I thought that was root leaves too. No, no, not in his hut when he's like going through Luke shit. Isn't he oh, eating a chicken a nugget? Oh, that's a ration bar. We don't know what the hell's in a ration bar. It looks bar. like a chicken nugget to me. It might be a chicken nugget. <laughs> <laughs> he's been, he's acting crazy. It's fine. It's okay, fine. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's Scott Pilgrim canon that uh, being vegan gives you force powers anyway. He, um, he is likely vegan though. I buy it. I'm here for it. Yeah. I would not allow him to cook for me. Uh, that would not happen. Uh, who would cook for me? That's a good question. I think... I think Padme's baker droid. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> I'm a dessert hound, and uh, he's good at that. 
And there would be some kind of wacky R2 and 3PO misadventure because he's too ambitious and cooks with ingredients he doesn't have and makes last minute shopping trips or makes others do it. I relate to that. My uh, new answer. Pong Krell. I'm going to cook for him. And it's going to poison it. Yeah, it's going to be ricin. I'm just going to cook him some ricin. All right. I like that. Just finished Breaking Bad. For the first time, and ricin shows up a lot. A lot of people get poisoned. That makes sense. Yeah. Anywho. I love that. Let's talk about Rebels. Let's talk about Rebels. So, recap these two episodes. Uh, Kanan is captured. Ghost Chaos Crew, which is Zeb, (laughs) Zeb, Chopper, Sabine, and Ezra are up to shenanigans trying to like go behind Hera's back and find out where Kanan is. They get a lead. Ezra's got to make a deal with uh, Visago. They kidnap an Imperial droid and replace it with Chopper. They sneak aboard uh, Imperial ship, get the information where Kanan is being held. They find out he's being transferred to Mustafar. Chopper does a murder and they enact their rescue plan. That episode ends. Next episode picks up with them doing the rescue plan. Ezra frees Kanan. They have a big old duel with the Inquisitor. They kill the Inquisitor. They get off the ship. Everyone's in TIE Fighters. Chopper's gone. He had a Gazanti. He's nowhere to be found. They're like, well, we're screwed. We don't have hyperdrives. And then Chopper shows back up with a... The small makings of a rebel fleet. It's got such a moment. Uh, their Gazanti, the ghost is there. Some A wings are there, and three blockade runners. They <sighs> get on the ships. They escape. Turns out, who's flying the ghost? It is Ahsoka Tano. And they, such a moment. They talk to Bail Organa. There's this really heroic moment where they're all standing together, and then it cuts to the Empire. And they're having a downer moment. Like, shit did not go well for them. Uh, good old Agent Callus is like, Grand Moff Tarkin, like, what are we going to do? We just got our asses kicked. And Tarkin's like, yo, they got Ahsoka. Guess who we got? Papa Vader. And, like, Vader comes down the ramp and is breathing and the music swells and it's, it's all scary. And he's like, I'm going to get him. And that's how the season ends. It's a quote. Yeah. I'm going to get him. Uh, what do you think of these two episodes? What do I think of these two episodes? Um, I love them. I love them. I never really thought of them as a two-parter until recently, but they totally are. Like, thematically, they feed into each other. The plot builds on itself. And they're just, they're just an epic conclusion when taken together. I genuinely think every finale of Rebels is is a two-parter. Personally, I just think you need to watch them back to back. Yeah, I I mean, Twilight of the Apprentice and Zero Hour are, and then, yeah, actually, I think this is the only one that wasn't billed as a two-party. I think, I think these episodes are a lot of fun. I think they have a lot of humor in them, which, like, lands. It's not the sort yeah. of, like, more kiddie slapstick humor that, you know, again, these are kids' shows, so it is appropriate yeah. when they do that. But I think the humor here really lands for adults as well. I think the action is phenomenal. I think there are some shots that are visually 
some of the best work Rebels does. The moment where there's the explosion at the uh, like docking bay and it zooms out and the, the plumes of smoke are mixing with the sunset and they form the oh yeah the phoenix. Phenomenal. That's beautiful. The shot of Kanan on the, the catwalk facing the Inquisitor and he thinks Ezra's <sighs> dead and it just that zooms out and there's a ton of darkness. Beautiful. Yeah. Like like there are some <laughs> shots in these episodes that rival the best uh, that, that Clone Wars has ever done and I would say even rival the best of the live action movies just in these two episodes. It's definitely like the most visually appealing of the first season. I would say I remember as this was airing, like, I don't know if you remember how many people, not just like toxic, insecure fans that can't have anything cute, but so many people that genuinely loved Clone Wars for the same reason that we do just really shitting on the whole first season. I mean, like really shitting like, Clone Wars was canceled for this posts every weekend. And this was the first time that I feel like everybody was like, oh, that's where they were headed. Like, it really just kind of ties it up really well. Yeah, I definitely remember how obnoxious and loud fans. <laughs> I hate to use the word fans for these people. Yeah, but, me too. Uh a, a, a contingent of the fan base was when Rebels first aired. And yeah. I do think this finale won a large chunk of those people over. But I also think that it's just something that happens naturally, where whenever a new Star Wars thing comes out, oh yeah, there's a group of people that shit all over it. And then within a year or two, they shut up and they love it. It happened yep. with Clone Wars. It happened with Rebels. It happened with The Force Awakens. It hasn't happened yet with Episode Eight, but it will. It <laughs> happened with Rogue One. It happened with Solo. Uh, oh, it happened big time with Rogue One. It, it if if I took a shot every time I and I disclaimer I am a five hundred first member, but I'm I'm I get it. If I took a shot every time a five hundred first bro who hated on the shore troopers and the death troopers where were they in the original trilogy made the armor and just talked about it. rogue one was a great like oh don't get me started but they, i'm already started they were so mad that it was another girl protagonist was it another oh. woman was it another woman they already have red i mean and then like still aren't over that but but now they're like rogue one is the best of the disney yeah. era it's the only good one and it's like <laughs> all right we get it the shore troopers are rad but, like, calm down. Are we um, going to get mail if I say it's my least favorite of the Disney era? No, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to get mail for it. Uh, okay. it's, it's Evan's favorite Star Wars movie, hands down. Um, wow. Evan's my really? fiance, if the listeners don't know that. Um, I, I mean, it's it's up there for me. It's not my top one, but it's it's up there. I like it more than most of the prequels, and I think I, I might like it more than Rise of Skywalker, but... It didn't, I don't get the, I don't, I don't know. Like, no, no shades on Evan. Evan is a man of taste. But I can't, I can't imagine it being my favorite. But just the other day, I was talking to my mom, and I was like, offhand, we were talking about Star Wars, because that's what we talk about. And I was like, well, yeah, like, I think I was explaining my love for The Last Jedi the first time I saw it. And I was like, well, it's like A New Hope has been your favorite by far since 77. And she got quiet 
And I was like, don't even tell me. And she was like, Rogue One is a movie made of heroes. And I was okay, I kind of get that. I get that. I think a big part of it for Evan is he really likes Diego Luna. <laughs> That'll do it. Which, I mean, yeah, that's that's a big reason why I like it a lot, too. I he's really like part. Diego Luna. He's, Diego Luna is the strongest actor in that movie. He's an incredible actor. Uh, Evan and I have a soft spot for sad boys who get, <laughs> uh, like strategically bruised and bloodied not 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 that like we want someone covered in gore or something but like it's like charlie cox in the daredevil netflix series that like after a fight is when he is at his peak handsome diego luna has that like very attractive like just went through something look in that movie and like all of the aesthetics of it are really good like the the costumes the the technology the droids all of it just feels like OT Star Wars, even though it That's was true. made like 30 years later. And that to me is remarkable. I mean, my key problem with Rogue One is not even so much a diegetic problem, but it's that it doesn't have enough time. I think I've said this to you. It, I wish yeah. it was a miniseries. And it, whoever, like if, if there was a 10-year plan for Star Wars incorrigibly, The Mandalorian would have been a feature and Rogue One would have been a miniseries. If I could change three things about Rogue One, it would be the Boar Gullet would not be a scene. <sighs> it would just be Saw Gerrera choosing to torture Bodhi. And, like, Bodhi would just have PTSD from getting tortured, and that's why it takes him a while to, like, reveal his exposition. But it would just be, like, a straight-up horror torture scene. Like, yeah. Done Star Wars. Like, I don't need a ton yeah. of gore, but, like, like an empire. No, but, yeah, and that would characterize Saw better. Yeah. Bodhi would have a better death. I think he dies, like, randomly by accident, and I think that robs him of a hero moment. In oh, the see, same like way that, that everyone else does. And, like, I get that death can be random in war yeah. and it can be an accident, but I don't think he got a hero moment. And I think oh, him I, I think him deciding to pilot the ship and crash it into something to, to help, I think that would have been a more dramatic and worthwhile moment for him. I guess I see Bodhi... I mean, Rogue One is two hours of hero moment for Bodhi. Like, Bodhi had his hero moment before it began, and even continuing to pull himself together after facing the Hente monster, poor Gullet, uh, was just, like, that's... I don't know. I, I think rather than having the cliche hero moment that everybody else gets, I love the understated... And part of it is because I like Riz Ahmed, and he sells it. Oh, I know. He's He's great. He's a very talented man. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I, I get what you're saying. I, 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 I totally I, I, get. I feel like he doesn't do much in the final battle, and so whether no. whether it's giving him a bigger death or whether it's just giving him a little bit more meat to chew on as far as helping the team, I think he needed it, and I, I think it's not quite there for him. And the the last thing I would change is I would add another fifteen minutes of. <sighs> the team bonding and getting to know each other and yeah, 15, 20 minutes of us getting to care about these characters as a group. Cause, yeah. um, like, uh, 
God, I'm blanking on his name. But he calls Jin little sister. Baze. Baze, yeah, I'm sorry. Baze, Baze and Jurit. Uh One, uh, I would also confirm that they're married. I would... Because they're yeah, clearly oh. a married couple. But anyway, Baze he calls Jin little sister, and it's like, really? Did you earn that? Yeah. Uh, and so I think we just needed a little bit more time with, with this phenomenal crew yeah. of people. Well, I... I swear this is the last point about Rogue One and then we will move on. But um, did you catch the live stream that IGN did where they sat down? Rogue One was a relay race. It was not written by three people at once. It was, you you probably already know this, but for the benefit of people who might be less obsessive, um, it was written by Gary Whitta and then that script just wasn't working out. So Gary left and Chris Weitz came on and then that did not, jive with uh, Gareth Edwards' directing style, I think, because when Chris McQuarrie came in to do reshoots, Tony Gilroy rewrote it from the ground up. But none of these men ever collaborated. So uh, IGN did a live stream where they sat down and watched the movie with Witta and White and had them talk over the movie about kind of what their Rogue One was. Did you catch this? No. It is still on IGN's YouTube. We watched it live. It was amazing. I uh, I think I'm going to start a Kickstarter to get Gary Witta a decent internet router because I think I missed some gems because <laughs> he kept lagging. But he explained, I think it was him, Borg Gullet originated in his draft and had Bodhi didn't exist. Bor was a partisan of saws from a weird species, this is even weirder, you would hate this more, that fed on memories like a Dementor. And important trauma was especially nourishing for Borg Gullet. And he wanted Jin's memories of her family on Lamu, which that scene was in this from the beginning as it is. Uh, Jin and Galen and Orson Krennic and K2SO were actually created for a pitch for George Lucas's live action show. But anyway, um, Bor had to convince Jin to give him her trauma and then she would be relieved of the trauma but she would also not remember her time on Lamu and eventually she did that's all bizarre yeah super bizarre and it was so they could go on like a side quest to Ord Mantell to meet with arms dealers basically the last Jedi's second act and it would have been super repetitive had last Jedi come out right after this and yeah super bizarre but definitely uh, definitely everybody should check out the live stream of these guys talking about their movie on the IGN YouTube channel. So Rebels. So Rebels. <laughs> the lightsaber fight is stunning. Oh, so good. I and such a moment for, I mean, I keep saying a moment, but like, that's where Kanan earns the title Jedi Knight and everything between that and his knighting is is just kind of icing i i love how hesitant ezra is in the fight and he is frozen by fear i love that he gets a scar to remember it you know that's his trial of the flesh i (laughs) love kanan's line about you shouldn't have done that because now i don't have anything else to be afraid of yes i that's that's when i think he becomes a jedi I love how he keeps fainting with the lightsaber and then switching it to blaster mode to keep the Inquisitor off balance. 
I love how the Inquisitor fights. He's completely unleashed here, and we don't see anyone fight like the Grand Inquisitor does or like Kanan does in this fight ever again. This is the only lightsaber fight in all of Star Wars that has these two sort of styles in it, and it's super interesting, and it's very cinematic. Yeah. I don't love the the line that Kanan says, uh, I know what's stronger than fear, the force. <laughs> Freddy does his best to deliver it, and, like, Freddy is phenomenal, but it's it's a rough line. It's not yeah, a Yeah, there's no good way to... There's just not. No, it's, it's not good. Uh, but the, the duel is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I think Star Wars duels are at their best when it almost feels like a conversation. Mm-hmm. And as, as cliche and pretentious as that sounds, oh God, like, it's why the, the 10 second Maul and Kenobi duel at the end of this show, towards the end of the show, is like my favorite. Because every single move tells you something about them. And like you said, like the styles are so uniquely Kanan and the Inquisitor. Like a lot of the Clone Wars duels were super cool, but like Kit Fisto versus General Grievous, you could kind of copy paste any Jedi into that fight, except maybe Anakin, and it wouldn't fundamentally change anything. But this is totally like the final argument between Kanan and the Inquisitor. And Kanan never fights like this again. It is only when he has Ezra's lightsaber that he fights in this particular way and it's it's almost feral but it's super controlled at the same time but just the the amount of fainting he's doing and switching and uh changing his stance and he is doing anything he can to keep the inquisitor off balance yeah it's so cool and you you know that he feels like he's punching up and i don't know if we see Kanan act that panicked and like knowing he's outmatched but still really confident again like maybe when he faces Vader but he doesn't really face Vader they just kind of run yeah that's barely a scuffle yeah I think well I think like about that like that feral style I mean the Maul Kenobi duel is kind of my gold standard and that one is a conversation between Obi-Wan saying that he has changed and Maul saying that he thinks he doesn't need to. And this both of them have changed even though we don't know the inquisitor's past yet. We we know that he's very familiar with the Jedi. We can infer. And he has changed to almost view this as like a science and a method. And I learned about you and I studied you. So I know you, I know all these facts. So I got you. And he's got that like elegant sort of fencer style, but it's very, it's process. It's robotic. And Kanan has learned to survive these past 14 years. And he's like, you said, like he's trying to get him off balance. He's using the blaster. He's, he is applying every single thing he has. That's super. And that's who he is. That's super interesting that you bring up the fact that the Inquisitor, we know how he views it like a science and he's talked about, oh, like, I know who your master was just based off your stance. Yeah. And so here, Kanan is fighting in a completely different style. Oh, and yeah. And he is using a tool that the Inquisitor's never seen before. Uh, so that's very, very interesting that Kanan is 
you know, is taking that into account and is is changing up everything as much as he can to keep the Inquisitor from figuring out what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the key to it all, really. Like in Star Wars, the good guys are willing to roll with the punches and change and grow. And the bad guys kind of generally want to keep everything the same. Speaking of change, Sabine's tie. <laughs> yes. Phenomenal. I love it. I love the stormtroopers that talk about it. I love that it's uh, like a joke that's come back. I love that we get to see it in, you know, kind of a serious way. Uh, I love how their plan was to ditch it in the hangar and Sabine has an excuse to, oh, well, we could go to that hangar. Um, I love I love Sabine's tie. It's very good. I have a pal who has uh, he's had it. I think he's had it like most of his life. He has a 1977 truck of some kind, and he always wanted to Star Wars it up. And I think just a couple of years ago, he decided that tie is what he's doing inside and out is the theme of this truck. And it's like his little side project. And it is it is looking beautiful. That's going to be phenomenal, I bet. Yeah, I love that tie. I feel bad for that droid Chopper murdered. Yeah, about that droid that Chopper murdered. That might not be how the story goes. <laughs> uh, those lucky ducks in the United Kingdom and Germany used to get something called Star Wars Rebels magazine. And as I could see, it didn't get too far in the UK, but in Germany, it got... I mean, something that I think a lot of fans don't realize is like... You think you like these Star Wars cartoons? Germany freaking loves these Star Wars cartoons. I went to Germany four months after Clone Wars got canceled, and there were still massive billboards for Clone Wars trading cards. Like, they got season six on regular television by force of sheer demand. And so Germany only got this really rad one-off comic called Die Ballade von 264, The Ballad of 264. Oh, yeah. And uh, Wikipedia has a brief description of the plot. Uh, Get ready, get ready. I'm going to do you a sad here. Uh, The story follows the whereabouts of Imperial Courier Courier Droid 264, who, following his brief partnership with the Spectres, was abandoned in the plains of Lothal. My note, I bet Chopper wrote this because that makes it sound like they decided to do it. Anyway, uh, after a brief stint as a farm droid, he was repossessed by the Empire and assigned to a gloomy remote outpost. One day, 264 learns that a rebel prisoner has been brought in at the outpost. When he realizes it is Sabine Wren, the droid decides to free her from her cell, hoping for a chance to reunite with the whole crew should they come for her. The rescue mission goes without a hitch until the Spectre's ship... The ghost gets caught in a tractor beam, preventing it from leaving the hangar. When he understands that he can either stay with the specters aboard the ghost or run to the other side of the hangar and deactivate the beam, 264 is faced with a dilemma, but he ends up sacrificing his chance so the rebels can escape. Incensed, the outpost commander orders the stormtroopers to throw the courier outside where he is left to freeze on a junk heap. That's really upsetting. Right? I read a second one where it says that even on the junk heap, as his power cell dies, he clings to the hope that they will remember him and come back. He makes it onto the ghost. 
I don't want to do this podcast anymore. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, here, so da, 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 my my little retcon in my head is that one day Callus and Zeb were swapping stories. Callus wasn't talking too much, and Zeb was telling the rebel perspective of all their encounters. And suddenly Zeb remembered that droid, and they went back, and they got him, and they adopted him, and he's their son, and it's all good. He's fine. Oh, was Callus the one who ordered the the the? the no, the no, 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 no. Okay. I don't think so. It didn't. It didn't name that commander. I didn't read the comic. I couldn't find it. I tried. Because I was going to say, but, then maybe Callus did remember, and maybe they did go back for him. The the Wikipedia article says unidentified Imperial commander did it. Not. Not, those bastards, uh, those unidentified Imperial commanding I bastards. Know, they're the worst. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor 264. But yeah, no, I think I think they would have gone back for him. Because in the other synopsis I read, it said that Zeb was the one who was like, oh my god, this is that guy. So Zeb, if Zeb remembered him then, he would remember mm. him when the war was over. Well, fingers crossed. Maybe we'll see yeah. 264 again. Oh, please, I bet they're going to announce him for the Mandalorian any day now. Right. What do you think of all that? What do you think about all these this this rumored casting? I think it would be interesting as long as they don't overshadow Din Djarin. I agree. It's Din, I think Bo-Katan it, is the most likely. It's Din's show. It should be about Din and Baby Yoda. It's the baby's world. We're just living in it. I'm I'm really excited about Bo-Katan. I am less excited yeah. about. Sabine and Rex being rumored. I would much prefer having Tamora come back as Cody in the Kenobi show. Oh, I've talked yeah. about that before on here. Uh, that's both. my hope and dream. Uh, I think there's a way to do Boba. If you you make him become a Mandalorian and tie it to Din's arc so he is Din's foil. He is what Din thought he wanted to be. A, a bounty hunter with no morals who just happens to wear the armor. Yeah, I think... I think there's a way to make Boba intriguing. I currently am not yeah. really a Boba Fett fan, and that is mostly due to Legends and the Boba <sighs> Fett like fan community from back then. And, yeah. and a lot of that is like the Mandalorian fan community from back in Legends was really shitty and awful. Karen Travis is exhausting. Yeah. And she just sparked a bunch of fights and then left. Uh, so... I do think there's Fun. a way to make Boba Fett interesting. We haven't seen yeah. that in the new canon, and I think a big part of that has been apprehension about dealing with the legacy of Legends Fett. So Honestly, we'll, we'll yeah. see. I think, yeah. I think I think we will see Bo and Boba, but I don't know about the rest. Um, and this is nothing against Tamora. Tamora is a phenomenal actor, and I want him back in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. But saying that, if anyone was going to play Boba Fett again, I would want Daniel Logan. Really? Am I the only person on the planet who would prefer Tamora? Like, I, I like that Tamora does the voice in video games, and I want to see Tamora back in Star Wars, and if this is the only way we can get it, sure, I'll take it. But Daniel Logan is such a positive force in the fan community and is so vocal about his love for the character and voices him at any chance and opportunity. He's just won me over. Like, I love him. I want him to play Boba all the time as much as possible. I guess I feel like Daniel is still too young. Oh, well, I mean, he is too young to play Boba during the Mando era, but I'm just saying, like, if Boba's coming back in live action, 
I would want it to be Daniel Logan personally. You know, the funny thing is he's less than a decade too young, but he looks two decades too young. Oh, yeah. The the, the, the man doesn't age. He's it's all that. He's five years older than us, but it's all I, that positivity and sunshine that. that he just exudes. <laughs> Truth. Anyway, Rebels yeah. characters might be coming to yeah. the Mandalorian. Worth talking about. It's plausible. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, any Anything else about these episodes before we wrap this up? Or anything about season one in general? We're kind of finishing our first arc here. I mean, Ahsoka. We still haven't talked about Ahsoka. Yeah, that's freaking huge. She, so, I think right after this episode aired, they posted, like, Boom, here's the concept art. Boom, here's the full costume. Holy crap, look at these white lightsabers. And I wish that had been saved for a reveal when she fights the Inquisitors. But it was it was so cool. And then I think they announced E.K. Johnston's Ahsoka novel just then. Like, this was the freaking renaissance of Ahsoka after two years of canceled Clone Wars and no indication. And there was that panel at Celebration about, like, yeah. the untold Ahsoka stories, which was... Buck that was wild. just a month after this. Yeah. This was huge. Yeah, this was a massive reveal. Uh, her costume's phenomenal. Ashley's incredible. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah. You can, and you can directly link, like, the moment that, that she came down that ladder and people reacted is directly linked to getting Clone Wars back. I mean, I remember... I never, like, unplugged from social media, but back then, uh, the West Coast was getting the episodes on demand three hours later than the East Coast. It was all geolocked. And they stopped doing it with the finales after this one, because, oh my god. But I, I knew something big had happened, because I saw the first, like, OMG post at 6.22pm, and I shut my phone off, put it away, and wandered around aimlessly outside for, like, two and a half hours, and I knew. I knew it was going to be Ahsoka because nothing could get that reaction. That's fair. No, but like I didn't see yeah, any spoilers, but like she was bummer. so, it was perfect. It was the best way to end. No, but it was, it was cause I still didn't like know, but it was, it was cool to know that people were super excited about something and I hoped it was Ahsoka. And then it was. And then the, I remember seeing the trailer for season two <sighs> and seeing Rex Oh, and just, that was and just being like, this is this is incredible. This is what a great time to be a fan. That was I was in the room for that one, I think, because they showed they showed Vader like hacking at them and just it was a real downer and they fade to black and you think the trailer's over. And then the voice says, my name is Rex. And it oh, man, bring me back up. Kill me now. My only like bummer out of the fact that they brought Rex back back for rebels is that we never it never felt like we got closure for rex and anakin and like there are some truly heart-wrenching moments where rex talks about his jedi and like that's all really great and it's 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 phenomenal like character building and stuff but i would really have loved to have seen rex deal with the the truth of who anakin became we don't so, get th- we don't get that in Rebels, and I'm, and I'm hoping maybe we'll get a book someday about like I Luke forget. and Rex hanging out or some shit. 
So I think I got to differ with you there. I forget where or who it even was. It was either Filoni or Henry Gilroy, but somebody said at a con that that was 100% by design, that Rex would almost go to his grave just like thinking that Anakin died a hero and sort of choosing to believe it, even though there were strong indications otherwise. That's that fair. he may or may not have even encountered. And I like, like I feel like Luke, I, I like to imagine after the Battle of Endor, Luke and Rex sitting down and Rex like really telling him stories about, because Rex knew about Padme, so it wouldn't be a stretch like, you know, Luke could be like, well, I'm Anakin Skywalker was my father. And Rex would be like, oh my God, that son of a bitch. And then, you know, telling stories. And then, you know, Rex asks, like, did you ever find out what happened to him? And I think Luke would just tell this poor old man that Vader betrayed and murdered him. Like, I don't, I don't think he could do that. <sighs> yeah. That's, that's, because, a, that's almost just as sad. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah. And that, that's the nature of clone <laughs> troopers. There are no happy endings for these guys. But that's as close as you get. Like, and Luke, you know, we could do a four-hour episode on whether Ben was right to lie to Luke, but I think in that case, like, Luke would be right to just, like, what are you going to gain from breaking this old man's heart? Well, I think the the end of Rex finding out what happened to Vader, what happened to Anakin becoming Vader, is that at Endor, we know uh, Rex is there, is that Luke tells Rex you were right to still believe in him. And he, he died a hero. He died killing the emperor. And I think that's the, the moment that I want for Rex with closure is that he finds out that his friend was still, was still there. And that, uh, you know, Anakin found peace in the end, which is what, I think any soldier, you know, any old soldier wants is to have peace in the end. And yeah. for him to know that his general, you know, achieved that. My friend, it is not often that people can change my mind about Star Wars, but yeah, I want I want Rex to have that moment. That's true. I guess I was just always kind of locked into the, I never really thought about it after Return of the Jedi until just now when I was talking about it. Yeah, you're right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this episode up. On that, on, that, on that note of sad Let's give clones. you guys closure on this episode the way Rex deserves closure on General Skywalker. So we we are not 100% sure what we're doing next. We have a couple ideas. We're talking to some friends about maybe having some guests. We don't want to... Yeah, wanna, some really cool guests. We don't want to, you know, reveal any cards in case things don't happen, but keep your fingers crossed. We're talking to some people. Let's just say if George, JJ, Ryan, and Kathleen take us off their blocked cause list, we might have a hell of a round table. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, (laughs) But... Please don't. We don't. No, please don't. Don't get your hopes up. No, don't get your hopes up. Uh, (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter at ForceFriendsPod. You can talk to us on the Lunar Light Discord. You can give us money at Kofi slash Force Friends Rewatch. You can, shoot can a, and should. You should. We deserve it. Shoot, <laughs> shoot us an email at forcefriendsrewatch at gmail.com. And we want to give a huge thank you to Bristol Podworks for that intro and for being our producer. Go reach out thank to them. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. You're the best. You can go reach out to them to make your podcast dreams come true. We did. 
Yeah, we did. This is our <laughs> podcast stream. You're listening to it. And it's all made possible by Bristol Potworks. Indeed. Ryan, hmm? what, should they, what should they do? I think they should tell the boy about his parents. Tell the boy about his parents. Tell the boy about his parents. And you know what? Tell the clone about his general. Yeah. Tell the clone about his general. I, I have been converted. Yeah. And tell the, <laughs> tell the droid about his family. That Just briefly tell adopted him, him and then murdered That's him. That's all we ask. Just yeah. take him. Just take him. Take him there. He deserves to be there. Yeah. <laughs> he and R5-D4. Don't get me started. All right, I'm. I'm That's I'm a good starting. ending point. Yeah. <laughs> Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.